the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. Politics, 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 history, history, and current events. Current events. Now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily. I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. The Detroit Lions are one victory away from reaching their first Super Bowl in franchise history thanks to their 31-23 triumph over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC Divisional Playoff last Sunday. Michael Badgley drained a 23-yard field goal Josh Reynolds and Amon Ra St. Brown each caught a nine-yard touchdown pass from Jared Goff. Craig Reynolds produced a one-yard carry on fourth and goal that yielded six points, and Jameer Gibbs emulated the Looney Tunes character, the Roadrunner, when he blazed a 31-yard trail to the end zone to complete the Lions' scoring. Detroit will now face the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game tomorrow night at 6.30. In curling news, the Traverse City Curling Club will be hosting the U.S. Mixed Doubles National Championship from February 27th through March 3rd. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And good afternoon. Yes, and I am back. And uh, who's out of town today is my co-host Ed Bondarenka, but he's back too. He's coming in through the through the miracles of of electronics, and he's able to Skype in the middle of a factory and make a sound. What a hokey setup! (laughs) (laughs) We're broadcasting on the edge here. Yeah, no, that would be Theron's show. Do not take. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Don't, don't don't be taking his show. That's his. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. Hey, folks. Hey, hey, you know, Ed, I want to talk to you about something. I, I, you, uh, I mentioned last week over the last couple of weeks at um, at, at an event at Hope Church, which is going to be on the 16th of February. Uh, they have this rendezvous. Big, yeah, for rendezvous. For See, rendezvous. I was paying attention. I was yeah. paying attention. And uh, I had ordered an aquarium maker to make this tank for me to be submerged in water. And um, he keeps sending me pictures of it that it's done, but it's coming from out of a country and I still don't have it yet. And it hasn't even cleared customs yet. And it's like, well, customers saying, why does anyone really need a fish tank this big? (laughs) (laughs) And why does it have a lid with holes on the top? (laughs) Well, they had to inspect the contents first. Look through the glass. <laughs> All right. Um, and so this might be something I do next year for Ferrani Boo. So I'm trying to think of something to do. Sounds and, fishy. Uh, uh, boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the end, so I'm trying to think what to do. And, and, and you, you set me up with your friend, Eugene. And I talked to Eugene. So he's okay with me talking to him about it. Talk to your friend, Eugene, who is uh, a metal fabricator. And I'll tell you what, Ed, this is probably one of the, the greatest invitations you've ever made me, is introduce me to your friend Eugene. 
Um, not only does he know his stuff, he does. Uh, uh, he knows it extremely well. He's a great fabricator. Um, the, as a businessman, he's humble. You don't see that in businessmen very often, you know? But in his business, he, he's a very humble man, a very kind man. And he's agreed to create uh, an aluminum box for me to get locked into. Um, and he's doing a great job for that, for, for, for rendezvous. And I Which just you want, don't know. Is that I've arranged for him to make it so that you can't get out. Well, it doesn't matter because it's designed to where I can't. And that, oh. I get out of this box in front of everyone. They get to see everything that I'm doing. Uh, you know, so that, that's the fun part about it. Um, so there, there isn't much he can do to really uh, make it harder than what it actually is. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, his name is Eugene. He's got, he said he's... Uh, you know, he'll take some work. If you need any metal fabrication, I guess you could say this is a free spot. The guy is just so kind. I even if he wasn't able to do this, I'd have to I'd have to give him uh, uh, some accolades, and I'd have to promote his business. the The guy is just remarkable as a businessman. Um, he he's unlike most that I meet. Most of them are uh, much different. But the, I think the word I came up with you yesterday when I was talking to you about him, Ed, was this man is he knows his stuff, and yet he's humble. How many people who know their stuff that well and are able to stay humble in their work, you know, um, and he's kind and he, he makes yeah. sure he knows, you know, exactly what you want and everything else. So, you know, if you're people, I, I'll give out uh, later in the show, I'm going to give you a chance to get a pencil and paper. If you ever need some metal fabrication, he, he's got other work, but he also has his own shop. Um, give him a call. And uh, if he if he's got the time to do the work, he'll tell you. And he's not gonna he's not gonna lie to you. He's not gonna take on the job and not be able to do it. it I, he's remarkable. Um, hit a pencil and paper if you have any metal fabrication that you need done. His name is Eugene. His number is 734-323-5130. If you miss that number and you want to get back with Ed or I, if something comes up and you need his number or you need to contact him, contact us through our uh, through Wham, and we'll be happy to hook you up with uh, Eugene. And I want to thank you for introducing, if nothing else, not only is he doing the job I need, you set me up with, you know, a new friend. The, the guy is uh, just yeah. really super. I, I, I was impressed. I have to say this. I, I'm more impressed that you know some people that are that kind <laughs> and that good. I saw that coming. Okay, let's move on with the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm looking at a map right now that kind of got scary. And then I actually, I've been looking at this map for a few days and I woke up this morning and saying, this is what they're doing right now. I'm looking at a map, right? And on this map, we see Maine and Colorado in orange. This is two states that took Trump off the ballot. Now it's going to the Supreme court and they're kind of at hold because of what's going to go on. Let's find out what the Supreme court does. Uh, yeah. And but uh, you'd think that's that's it. I, right now we have California, Arizona, uh, Maryland, Wyoming, New Mexico, Texas, Wisconsin, Illinois, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, New York, West Virginia, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida all have cases in the courts right now that are not resolved uh, to take Trump off the ballot. That. On top of that is Colorado and Maine. Now, some of them are going to, most of them are going to fail. Let's just call it right off the top. They're going to fail. 
Um, oh, it's one or all. What? It's got to be one or all. If the Supreme Court wrong. rules on February 8th against it, Colorado. It's going to be given, it's going to be based on the Supreme Court on each one, on, on the arguments that each state gives. And that's how it's going to go. It's going to be based on the on the arguments that they give based on the constitutionality. So if each state is going to have to make their own case, is my understanding on it. But so we get uh, say what what's the difference? Colorado and uh, in Maine, those are both Biden states. They're both extremely Democrats. Who cares if we lose it? I actually had someone say that. And that's what caused me to think about this. Why the big fuss to get these two states off? Or actually, <laughs> many states off. Included in that is California and Texas and Arizona. There are how many states that have agreed that their their electoral college votes are going to go over to the popular vote, Ed? Fourteen. Fourteen of them have agreed that they're going to turn all their electoral college votes over to the popular vote. Now you take two states out of that that is not going to allow a popular vote count for Trump. Just the two. That even though Trump, because of that, would still win the Electoral College vote, you'd have states like Arizona that says, no, the popular vote went towards Biden. We have to give all of our Electoral College votes over to him, even if, even if Trump takes Arizona by landstorm in every precinct. They'll have to give over their electoral college votes based on an agreement they made over to Biden. You want to know why they're fighting to get him off on a few states? Is because you have a, how many states did you say again? Seven states that are going to follow the popular vote for their electoral college votes? Oh, no, 14 of those. I'm sorry. 14. I'm 14. Yeah. No, I may, I may have missed it. 14 states. All of a sudden, we'll have to turn over their votes no matter how they go because we've gotten a few states off that cannot be added on the popular vote for President Trump if they're success successful. The left will stop at nothing. We'll stop at nothing to make sure the Republicans don't win this race. They're, they're frightened. They see the poll numbers. The poll numbers puts Trump as winner. I think the polls would show that any Republican who makes it in would beat Biden. And I certainly would hope so. But we're in a position now that, uh, hey, even if he went when Trump wins, they'll find a way to make him lose. They're looking for another way to steal the election. And this is it. Do you see what I'm talking about, Ed? That yeah. Just move all these few states really throw that popular vote way off. They're desperate. They're, you know, they've been desperate. They're, they're clutching at straws. They're, you know, all the lawfare going on. The, uh, I think he was just ruled against yesterday in this uh, defamation case of this woman who, who said he raped her. And then he said, no, you didn't. And now all of a sudden he's got to pay her $83 million because he said she's a liar. That, you know, what? Yeah, anytime you fight a case like that, you're one person's calling the other person a liar, right? Yeah, and you protect yourself, and all of a sudden, oh, you called her a liar. That's defamation of character. Well, wait a minute. You didn't prove the rape, and she's def defaming. Oh, no, you're a public figure. Duh! Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
So they'll do anything. And uh, so I, I'm looking at this. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how many different ways. And you, you touched on another How many different ways are they going to uh, try to figure out a way to keep the Republicans off the ballot? I mean, between the constant lawsuits. And by the way, throwing lawsuits at a person to to destroy them is not new with the Democrat Party. Please may I point out what happened to Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin, yeah. all of a sudden, as soon as Sarah Palin starts running for office and she's the VP candidate, the Democrats start throwing every possible nonsensical lawsuit against her, as as you could think of. This is their maneuver. Yeah. They know it worked with Palin. Now they've just ramped it up against Trump. But here's the here's the sad thing about it. It wouldn't matter if it was Trump. It could be anyone else. It could be Nikki Haley. It could be Ron DeSantis. Any other Republican got in. It won't first. be Nikki Haley. It won't be Nikki Haley. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just saying, it doesn't matter. And it won't be Ron DeSantis. He, he backed out. What I'm saying, it doesn't matter who gets in. They would use the same tactics against them. Right now they see that Trump is up in the polls. So they're going to hit him with lawsuits everywhere. Use those lawsuits, even though they're unfounded, kind of like what you pointed out with this with this case he just went through. He called me a liar. He defamed me. Well, anytime you sit there and say this didn't happen, you're calling that person a liar. Yeah, I believe she was. I, but, you know. We'll see. <laughs> well, we won't see. Of course, already done their mess on this. So oh, yeah, but it's it's going to it'll be appealed. It will. Yeah, that stuff works. But uh, it's and they're and they're using civil court just like they did against Palin. They're going in against lawsuits, lawsuit upon lawsuit, and then they treat these lawsuits like they're criminal cases, and they're not. Yeah. I want you to understand they're bringing up these civil cases, these private lawsuits against Trump, and they're treating them like they are criminal cases, and they are not. And the media is getting away with it, and we're just sitting back saying, "Boy." He's in a lot of legal, he's in a lot of federal problems. He's committed all these crimes. These are not criminal cases that he's being tried for. Yeah, Ed. You know, I, I just, it's been pointed out before. I just want to reiterate it, that nobody from January 6th has been charged with insurrection. Nobody. Nobody's been charged with insurrection. Therefore, what insurrection are they referring to with this uh, Section 3, 14th Amendment uh, Trump is ineligible for office because of fomenting an insurrection or being involved in an insurrection against the United States. I'm not following. Of course, I won't follow it because it, it's just democratic logic. It's leftist right. wisdom. So in this are we going to hold off Joe until we push him against the break? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I can wait. Yeah, no. Hey, yeah, Joe's on the line. We will take the call. I'm sorry. Good catch on that. Remind me to smack you in the back of the head later for that. But I'll say right now, good catch, yeah. Oh, did I say that on air? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, now we have to take his call. Hey, Joe. <laughs> hey, brothers. Two things, and Ed can correct me if I'm wrong, if he knows he for sure. But uh, Well, You're three wrong. things, really. Two things about the compact. It's my understanding that the compact doesn't take effect almost like a constitutional amendment until it's ratified by enough states to actually right. turn the nation to a popular vote uh, system. Or, or the second thing on that, that it's really only blue states that have signed on to it, so it really doesn't matter because the popular vote currently usually does go to 
the Democrat. And if they're blue states, they'd be voting Democrat anyway. And then that third thing, any GOP state committee in a blue state should immediately change their bylaws and rules to become a caucus and at least render primary ballots in, you know, ir- yeah, whatever, invalid, not needed, go to caucus. Okay, first can of all, can I read something to you? Yes. So this is, it says here, introduced in 2006. As of January 2024, it has been adopted by 16 states and D.C. These jurisdictions have 205 electoral votes, which is 38% of the Electoral College and 76% of the 270 votes needed to give the compact legal force. But I believe it's in effect, and it says certain legal questions may affect implementation of the compact. And, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, legal force there is the, uh, I think, the key term and what I mean. And, again, most of them being blue states, they're going to be blue anyway, so it's not really affecting anything yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Solomon News here in Michigan, the Rhino Republican taking Soros money to peddle the compact garbage. I don't know if he still is, but he was. Uh, let me tell you, if I ever run into him face-to-face, I'm going to smack him upside the head. Was there a second thing you had? Well, the caucus thing. It, it would render a primary ballot issue at least moot. But, yeah, we're generally talking about, no pun intended, the general election ballot here, but at least move to caucus for primary so they can't mess with our nominee process. May I? Yes. I I, I firmly believe we should go to a caucus system in the state and get rid of the stupid open primaries. This is just mischief. Just well, utter mischief. What we have to remember is whether you're Republican or Democrat, neither one, Republican nor Democrat, are government institutions. They are private parties. They are private. But the state parties. runs the elections, so uh, we I'm have getting, to abide by. I, I, I'm, okay. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And so who, what? whatever party wants to select in their state as a private party, they should be allowed to do so without government interference. So I agree with the caucus idea for both Democrat and Republican. Is there a private party? Let them select who they want to put on the ballot and who they want to line up Why with. Why should the state fund it? Why should we be taxpayers be paying for these private parties? That we shouldn't. Absolutely should not be. Um, now, I got a friend of someone who texted me, and, I, and, and I'm not sure of the names or anything else. And, Ed, you've been on top of this more, and you made a statement, and someone uh, is contradicting your statement. And uh, he says that there's at least uh, his his text says, and I don't I don't know of these, but he says there have been at least there are six people who have been sentenced and convicted, uh, sentenced or convicted and sentenced for insurrection. I'd be interested to find out who they were, because uh, I know there there were some that were in there were convicted for trespassing and for other stuff, but not for insurrection. But you I know, wonder if. Yeah, I wonder if they. uh Oh, what's the word? Um, pled to a charge. I don't know. Yeah, well, if they pled to a charge, that's their own. That doesn't prove there was an insurrection in court. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I'm curious about that, you know, uh, because I keep hearing then was actually convicted uh, through that. But a plea deal is something totally different. I know people that have pled out things just to get a lighter sentence because they knew that no matter what happened, that under the situation, they wouldn't uh, do well. We need to we need fairness. We need we need regardless of how you look at the last election or anything else. We need to know that there's absolute transparency and fairness in our elections. I would not fight to have Biden taken off the ballot. And uh, there are there are actually people out there that if they would have ran that uh, I would have gotten totally behind if they would have run for offices. Um, I'll keep forgetting her name. I cannot ever remember the the name of the woman in Hawaii who ran for office. Uh, Gabbard. Uh, Gabby. Oh, Gabby. my goodness. I just thought of her. Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. No. Ran, oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of the Arizona repo- representative. No. no, Tulsi Gabbard. The one who got shot. If you yeah, actually, sorry. I agree with probably about uh, 90, maybe 85%. And if you go with the 85% rule... I, I agree with about 85% of the things that she says it stands for. She's not a Republican. Last I heard she was pro-abortion. That, that that's is 15%. There's the 15% and that's, that, that's a big killer for me, but yes. Yeah. The 80 to the 80% rule of Reagan falls by the wayside for me when they say uh, they're you, pro-abortion. As soon as they're pro-abortion, they automatically lose the vote. And, um, I'll tell you what, if, uh, if Trump was to totally backpedal on abortion and say, hey, we've got to, and, and there's things he's starting to scare me with, uh, he couldn't get my vote if he backpedaled on abortion. It's just uh, abortion is- uh, well, Let me ask you something, and we are we are close to the break, but there is something that uh, Trump said regarding uh, DeSantis and what DeSantis said about a limit on um, sort of like a heartbeat, five weeks or something like that, yeah. and he said that was stupid. And so Trump- said in an interview and he and a number of people came down on him for it because it looked like he was backpedaling on abortion I'm because he was willing look at that go ahead yeah Say again i I'm, I'm i got nervous with that with the statement also because it sounded like to me he was backpedaling where he says we have to negotiate you know now i've talked to a number of people of prominent people in the abortion anti-abortion movement and there are a number of people who believe that we need until we get the American people behind us, we need to come up with something. We need to settle for a heartbeat bill, something that limits abortion, but will give us some popular vote to be able to get into office and, and do the things we need to do. The zero tolerance cost us horribly and has cost us in every election, Ohio, Michigan, because that pulls out the Democratic vote. Yep. Well, it does. But here's my yeah. point. It's just because wait, can you can you or should should we as people of God be willing to take less than what we think is absolutely right in the eyes of God just to just to get something? We yeah, well we've had this discussion in other venues. Um and frankly, if you're going if you have a chance to save eighty and you have to give up on 20, then maybe you've got to do that. I don't want to name names of who I'm talking to, but they're prominent right. people. Right. And I'm a little bit more of, you know, I'm going to 
I'm going to stand by what I think is biblically and, and, God, and let God deal with it through his uh, providence uh, and punish us or take us forward, whatever he says. Yes, I would like to see 80 saved. And I and I I, I understand the math behind it. I really do. Yeah, right uh, now we're losing the 80. We're right, right now we're losing the 80. And can we save the 80? But on the other hand, do we ever say 20 murders are, are just are better than 100? Yeah, I guess mathematically it is. But we still have 20 murders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Doesn't make it good. Doesn't make it good. And, 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 What's that, that? Don't let the don't let perfect be the en- the enemy of of good or something like that. Right. Hey, folks. We'll talk more about this uh, after the break. Pastor Richard Dietering on WAM. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily. I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. The Michigan Wolverines football team lost their head coach, Jim Harbaugh, to the Los Angeles Chargers of the National Football League this past Wednesday, but they quickly promoted offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Sharon Moore to become the Wolverines head coach last night. Moore who was named a finalist for the 2023 Broyles Award that was presented to the top assistant coach in football bowl subdivision, served as Michigan's acting head coach versus Bowling Green, Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State last season. Plus, he was the architect of the Wolverines' offensive lines that captured Joe Moore Awards in 2021 and 2022 as the best offensive lines in FBS. Now, here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. That's right, that's right, I'm sad and blue, because I can't do the boogaloo. I'm lost, I'm lost, can't do my thing, and that's why I sing a gimme, gimme, that ding. And we're back. Hey, real quick. Uh, the person the person mentioned the six that were uh, that were convicted and sentenced for insurrection. Uh, little little correction. He got back with me. He did give me names, um, but it was for sedition, and uh, which is what I'm finding similar. Similar, but. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, the NPR has a searchable database, and of this searchable database, uh, I've I've typed in insurrection, and I got 90 results. And I've been scrolling through them, and um, there's there's no charges of insurrection among the 90 of them. Okay, it's, well, it's what I have. Let me give you the names. Mm-hmm. You can check them out. Uh, Kelly Meggs, Joseph Biggs, Ethan Nordine. There's only five, by the way. Stuart Rhodes, Henry Terrio, or Enrique Terrio. Uh, oh, you know, okay, Enrico Terrio. Now, he's the Proud's Boy guy, right? Yes. That was not insurrection. Enrico he says Terrio. So. Okay. Anyways, hey Derek, you want to look that up? Thanks. That's easier 
and the way I've got to do it. But my understanding between the two, and please correct me if I'm wrong on this, Ed, uh, insurrection is a group activity, pushed towards a group activity, whereas a sedition charge is that of the individual. Say that I, again? I said Say again. insurrection is more towards a, a bringing in almost conspiracy group activity. Right? Well, yeah, I mean, one it's, person cannot be an insurrection. <laughs> but sedition is, is an individual charge, correct? Yes. So that, that's the act of the individual. So, for example, uh, if, if I can be charged for sedition, sedition or insurrection, there's going to be other people that are charged for insurrection, which is a separate charge. Seditious conspiracy. That's Enrico Terry, Terrio. Seditious conspiracy. So it's not insurrection. Yeah, and he was a member of the Proud Boy group. Thanks, Derek. Thanks. So I would say the actual charge for insurrection, I think your statement stands. Because there's uh, uh, sedition or sedition, conspiracy to commit sedition is different. Legally. Yeah. And by the way, that's five out of how many thousand that were even convicted of anything, but not insurrection. Now, I don't know that the uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment says insurrection. It says, I think it says something about overthrow of the United States or the government thereof or something like that. But there's just no way you're going to prove that Trump did that. There's just, that's the whole root of this conversation here, here is, is him getting booted off on the 14th. Here, here would be my defense if I was on his legal team. It would be the fact that what he said in his speech just beforehand, he used the word peaceably. Yeah, exactly. And, well, you know, I've, I've had a number of J6 protesters interviewed on my show, and, um, and I'll probably have more, too. And, you know, they, they describe their situation, defending other people's lives against the police. You know, and then, of course, they're convicted of obstructing the police. Kind of reminds me of that uh, guy that works for Rebel News up in Canada. He's trying to ask the uh, head of the uh, parliament, I think it was up there, something, something, something or other. And he's backing up as he's backing up, recording her. This cop steps behind him. He bumps into the cop. And then the cop says, oh, oh, that's a violence against the police officer and arrests him. You know? So I want to go back to the conversation we were having before, because this would absolutely, yeah. I don't care, Democrat or Republican, if you, myself, if you start looking for myself, I'm not speaking for anyone else, and I'm not speaking for those. It's like Joe says, hey, if you see a group of people dr drowning, and if you don't save the two that you can save, well, then you're guilty of their lives. And, and I, I understand. Mm -hmm. I understand that that approach. I have a harder time, and, here, and I'll explain why. I have a harder time condoning abortion at all. Because abortion, going back to that of Margaret Sanger, as Bruce Fleury, we know, has written a wonderful book on that. Um, going back to Margaret Sanger and who she was and her her stance on um, white supremacy and her stance on eugenic, eugenicism, and this is what abortion was born out of. It was designed purposely to genocide a whole race in this nation and do so in the name of rights. There's so much evil, and not only that, we're taking human lives. There's so much evil involved with abortion. It is an outright attempt to genocide 
as our friend, as our friend Phil Stargell has pointed out many times, and Bruce Fleury has pointed out many a times, and as logic points out and history points out many a times, abortion is there to genocide the black race in this country. Like it or not, that's what it's there for. Call it a right. I have the right to kill my child. And in so, look at where they plant the abortion centers. Right? Well, like I told you, I, I had Bruce's book on my programming card at work a couple of years ago. And this young black man, you know, it was uh, we were on midnights. I was working late. And he saw the book on my cart. And I thought, uh-oh. And he started to say something. And he said, oh, that book's about the people trying to kill my people, isn't it? You know? This guy knew what was coming off. Yep. By the way, can I go back to something real quick? Seditious conspiracy. This is the definition according to uh, um, uh, a legal statute. If two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, or to destroy by force the government of the United States or to levy war against them or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States, contrary to the authority thereof, they shall each be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. Okay, now make a point with everything you just read. <laughs> well, I don't think Trump was one of two or more people who did any of that, period. That's, you know... And and, That's what we're talking about, keeping him off the ballot. Right. We're talking about keeping him off the ballot. And uh, in this case, it Trump has not. Now, you cannot call uh, a, a, a congressional body um, as being able to find him innocent or guilty of anything because that's not their job. That's not what they do. Um, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's a political push. We all know that. Um, Trump has not been found guilty of insurrection. Now, I will say, make the statement. Uh, or, or seditious conspiracy. <laughs> or seditious conspiracy. He was, not, he was not found guilty in the court of any of this. Yeah. To keep him off the ballot. So you may have been mistaken on a number of people. And again, is, that's out of my purview. But you, you may have been mistaken on a number of people that out of that group that were convicted and sentenced for something. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people there. Five convicted. I, I think they're, you know, uh, says says a lot. But Trump wasn't one of them. Right. Exactly. So should his name be kept off the ballot because you don't like him? Well, here's here's the interesting thing. Also, is I was reading a, not reading. I was listening to an excellent podcast about uh, the old West, and they're talking about the the West and uh, something Phil Stargell refers to often the re Reconstruction. And how federal troops got pulled away. And when they got pulled out of the South, so they go fight Indians in the West because that was a bigger threat than the South. They made this whole deal and they actually allowed people who were involved in the insurrection against the federal government. We call them Confederates. All of a sudden, the law was changed and they could actually run for office and did, much to the chagrin of many black people in the South because they were all Democrats who hated them. So, you know, this this whole thing, I mean, it's, it's almost a moot point because years later, the law was changed. These people, you know, people who were guilty, who were actually proven guilty in courts of law. 
could run for office governors. As much as I and I'll tell you, if 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 Trump came right out and said that he was going to support a federal law bringing abortion back in. I would not support him. Trump, no, I would not. But that's not the point. That's not going to happen. Let me finish my point. I have to first that state. I cannot vote for anyone who says that abortion should be mandated federally. Actually, I, I, I'm a firm believer, and you know this, that this should not have been even fought as a state's right, that this should have been fought as a human rights issue and, and to protect the child in, in the womb in every state. But, yes. Uh, all right. What we have, and I guarantee what we have with every Democrat right now, that I cannot find an exception to this, and and I... There, there probably is one, but I can't find one off, off the top of my head here in Michigan uh, currently or that I've ever heard of, of any Democrat that comes out that is not supporting abortion. Or that is, uh, how do I put that? Every one of them are supporting abortion at the federal level. Federal law needs to make it right again. Because of that, none of those Democrats would get my votes. Tulsi Gabbard, I agree with 85%. And if it came out down to two people, two people that with that agreed on abortion and I had to vote for one of them, um, it'd be the one that if I had to vote for one of them, it'd be the one that I agree with the most on the other parts. Good news is I don't have to. I don't have to vote for either one of them. Right. All right. But. Uh, and yes, I'll, I'll be honest, I got nervous when I when I heard uh, Trump talk about negotiating at the at the national level. On abortion, yeah, that, that that concerns me. I don't. Is that what he said? Because I don't recall it that way. I think all he was doing was con, was uh, oh, what's the word? Not chastising or you know Trumpizing, really. You know what I mean? Making it, fun of DeSantis because he he promoted something that was probably too narrow for the uh, American populace to support, and so we would lose elections over that, and thus. The good would uh, would be uh, destroyed by the perfect. You want to give the phone number? 734-822-1600 if you want to be part of the conversation. <laughs> there we go. I gave it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Is there anything? Uh, it's uh, here. Here's the problem I see, and I see this problem on both sides. And, and I'm starting to thank God for the internet. Because we cannot get a clear statement in the national media uh, from about anybody running for politics. We, we just can't. The media is not going to be clear and precise. And I know a lot of people are. Uh, and, and the one that gets my goat the most is if we remember back before the election, Trump made a statement about uh, there's good people on both sides. And that was so conflagrated out there to make him a racist and what he was talking you know exactly what i'm talking about ed um he was talking about there's good people on the left and the right and he if i recall the topic was the statues yeah taken down of a statue it wasn't whether the ku klux klan was good or not it was the concept of you know should we take down statues and destroy our heritage and what he was saying is people who view that the statue's coming down and the view that say it's wrong to take the statues down. There's good people on both sides of that. He was not talking about good people within 
the KKK, because anyone who would actually go in and join something that would be so abhorrent. Or uh, Antifa. <laughs> he wasn't saying Antifa. they're good people in Antifa. Right. Or Antifa. Or 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 any of these other extreme groups. Um, mm -hmm. Terrorist groups. Yeah. And I put KKK right there in the, the head of terrorists. Mm -hmm. Terrorist groups in this country. By the way, and Antifa. Yeah, may, may, may I point out oh. that they're both started by Democrats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's it's interesting. I, I was um, interviewed a guy last Saturday, and and to be honest, I'll be rebroadcasting it again today because I am here and I can't can't uh, do a live show. But uh, in his book, Big Intel, he talks about. Uh, the roots of Antifa and uh, the Nazi uh, and uh, left-leaning uh, origins, not Nazi origins, but the left leftist communist origins of Antifa as a force against Nazism, but basically just as hardcore left as anybody else. And, and you know, I mean, anytime you side with Soviet Russia, you, you right off the bat, you've lost my confidence that you're worried about human rights. Right. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it was a big push back in the back in the sixties and seventies. They'd have these uh, communists. They'd say, "Hey, we were your allies in in, in World War Two. We're good people, you know." And would have these communists come over, and, and they would have the Russian dancers and everything else promoting communism in public school. All right, this is yeah. this is in the sixties, not not recently. This was in the sixties. They're bringing in these communist groups to uh, Providize, providize us. Providize, providize. Yeah. Uh, say that three times fast. Um, no. Don't really. <laughs> it's to, you know, and, and coming in talking about how great Russians were. They were our allies in World War II, and they were the communists, and and they're great people. And, and this was in the public school before I moved to Canada. I had to move to Canada to find out that communism was bad. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> now my how times have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Not exactly. Like um, and then shortly after that, we got Howard Zinn's uh, history, People's History of the United States, as the textbook in our classrooms, which is why kids basically don't have any pride in this country. They so, see no reason for it because Zinn has zinified our, our children and we let it happen. So you, you said something else. We've got a few minutes. So I want to cover this. You said something else that really caught my attention. Oh. Um, and I think it's something that even if we may have to get into it more next week is standing up against a tyrannical government. Is, is, this is going to sound like a hypothetical question, but in the end, it's something that's going to have to be discussed is standing up against a tyrannical government insurrection. I'd say, well, yeah, it is in the legal sense, but, uh, is it it wrong? depends how far you stand up against it. If you protest it, you know, if you protest it, that's one thing. If you seek to overthrow it by, by violent means, then it's 1776. <laughs> and, and this is where I think we're going to take the show next week is are we on the cusp of a civil war? Can this can this country come through this division? I, I am starting to see this division as very doubtful. I see friends uh, separating from each other, brothers and sisters separating from each other. 
um, to the points of violence in this country. Can this country survive this separation without going into war? Dick Kupke mentioned today a book I've, I've mentioned a few times also uh, by uh, Colonel Kurt Schlichter, who's a lawyer. He's on the radio sometimes. He's an author. And he's written a book on the called the Kelly Turnbull uh, series. Starts out with um, People's Republic. I highly recommend this book. And then after that is Indian Country. People's Republic is the aftermath of a civil war. And it's so, so excellent in its description of how the, the factions are. Indian Country tells how we got there. It's like a prequel. And then there's other books after that. And after a while, I couldn't read anymore because I just got my blood up too much. But I'm thinking that what we're seeing, I've always wondered what the tinderbox would be and what we're seeing on the border between Biden and Abbott and the battle over states' rights to defend a state is, is the closest thing we're going to get to a tinderbox right now. You get 27 American states saying we side with Texas. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah. Um, and, and before anyone gets in a panic, I'm not sitting here and calling for a civil war. My question is, is can we avoid Oh, no, it? you'd be an insurrectionist if you were a seditious, seditious conspiracist. I'd, I'd be the sixth one convicted, I guess. Um, so yeah. it's uh, my question is, is, can we avoid it at this point? You know, the, the, the thing about it is, is before 1863, it was easy to tell we were heading towards civil war. It was inevitable. It was going to happen. They knew it from 1850 on. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people will argue that shots fired over in um, Missouri were actually the start of the civil war, not not over <laughs> on the East Coast. Uh, yeah. between the, the, uh, That's Fort Sumter. Yeah, not at Fort Sumter. Because it, it started way earlier before so Fort Sumter. We, we know it did. And we can see the violence beforehand. And so the Civil War back then in 1863, before it was declared a Civil War, was, was seen. We knew what was happening. We knew what was coming. My question is, 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 do we have the same situation now that we know it's coming and it's inevitable? Or is there a way for people to take the Aristotle approach of saying, hey, it's the mark of an educated mind that can entertain the thought of another and not accept it. Can we get back to the point in this country where we can say we can agree to disagree and still shake hands and walk away friends? Can that happen in this country still? I don't think so. Not not where it is now. I, I hope I hope we can get back to that before first shot is fired under an official war. I can say there's already been shots fired just like there was before the Civil War back in 1863. They've been fired by Democrats and, and, like before. And believe it or not, I have a book. It's, it's called uh, Religion of, of uh, Old Religion in a New, in a new Country. Um, and it's talking about the growth of Christianity in the United States. And in there, he refers to the Civil War as that of a religious war. Thank you. I was going to bring that up, but I let you keep talking. It, it is. It was a religious war. And this is a religious war also. And that's where and is, is what we're facing now, a religious war. And, and, and there'll be people if you talk to if you talk to people both in the north and the south, you read their writings. Uh, what you'll find is both of them were fighting what they thought were on the side of Christ. Oh. No, I, I well, not think, this time, not this time, but they, no, it's the right versus one wrong. One, yeah. One, yeah. So the left is a the left is a religion. 
There's no two ways about it. The left is a religion. It's an anti-God religion. I know a lot of people that would defend their, that will develop their politics, or I'm sorry, they'll develop their religion based on their politics. I know people on both sides that do this, and I think it's wrong. I don't think that your politics should define your faith. But uh, that happens on both sides. And, but it happens a lot on the side that doesn't want God in their party. <laughs> it happens even more there. Yep. Um, is there music playing? I don't no. know. I was no. asking. No. Yeah. We, still, we still got some time here. How the music yeah. playing. <laughs> hey, folks. Next week we'll talk about are we heading towards a civil war or not? Until then, have a peaceful week. See you on a moment of clarity. Stay week. tuned. You've been listening to a moment of clarity on Wham Talk 1600 with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Be sure to tune in again next week right here on Wham Radio.